Hi, I'm Wayne Zell, and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth, a fast-paced half-hour video cast dedicated to helping you, entrepreneurs, executives, business owners, founders, realize your wealth, dreams of wealth and freedom. Blueprint for Wealth is brought to you by Zell Law, a law firm located in Reston, Virginia, and Savannah, Georgia, with clients all across the country. If you'd like to know more about us and our services, visit us on the web at zellaw.com. Today, we're going to have a special topic, and then we're going to have a special guest. And our first special topic today is continuing the discussion of choice of entity when you're forming a business. And that choice of entity really depends on what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be doing it. Today, we're going to talk about partnerships and how they work. What is a partnership and what kinds of partnerships are there under the various state laws? Well, the most basic example of a partnership is a general partnership. I walk up to you on the street. I, I know you. I shake your hand and I say, partner, let's be partners. Let's go invest in that real estate venture down the street. Or let's go ahead and open up a hot dog stand here on the side of the street and we shake hands and we agree to be partners and then we start operating as a partnership. That's how simple it is to create a general partnership. But watch out for general partnerships. They're really a thing of the past. We don't use them very much today and I'll tell you why in a second. Then there's the limited partnership or LP. In a limited partnership by state law, you almost always have to have one general partner referred to as a GP and one or more limited partners. So in Texas, for example, when we set up entities, we use limited partnerships pretty frequently. We'll have a general partner, and we may have one. We may have 50 limited partners in the limited partnership that we're setting up. There's also something called a limited liability partnership, which became extremely popular in the wake of the Enron debacle that put away one of the greatest accounting firms ever to be on earth, and that was Arthur Anderson and Company. I started my career at Arthur Anderson in 1980, and I was there for a while, and I still maintain contact with some of my former colleagues at Arthur Anderson, but it was put out of business because it was essentially a general partnership among all of its partners around the United States and around the world. And several of the partners in the Houston office were involved in the Enron crisis that led to the massive liability and l massive failure of Enron, which ultimately led to the demise of the great Arthur Anderson accounting firm. So these LLPs are limited liability partnerships, and they're usually used by professionals, accountants, lawyers, sometimes doctors, although in some states it's not permitted. And the LLP basically says that my liability as a partner professional in that firm is limited to my own negligence and my own torts, my, the, the bad acts that I've committed. But the partnership debts, I may have a pro rata responsibility for based on my ownership of the partnership. But I'm not liable for my partner's malpractice or bad things that they may have done. 
Then we've got the limited liability limited partnership, which is also a relatively new creature of statute, and it's not found in all of the states, but it operates somewhat like a limited partnership. However, the key distinction is that you can limit the liability for a general partner in an LLLP if an election is filed and other requirements are met. So let's talk about general partnerships. I mentioned you need to be careful and you need to be cautious if you're forming a general partnership. And a lot of families enter into general partnership arrangements not really understanding what they're getting into. A partner in a general partnership is personally liable for all business debts incurred by the partnership, even if they didn't agree to be liable for it. It basically refers to the concept of joint and several liability, which means that even though you were, say, a 50% partner with your brother or your cousin in a partnership, and your brother or your cousin go out and incur a debt, you're liable for the whole debt if it's in the name of the partnership. Any individual partner in a general partnership generally can bind the entity to a contract or a transaction. So it's risky to get involved in a general partnership. How are partnerships taxed? Well, they're basically pass-through entities, meaning that revenue minus expenses and certain other items such as credits and charitable deductions are passed through to the partners on a Schedule K-1 that's attached to the partnership return, which is referred to as Form 1065. So usually with many, with very few exceptions, some state law exceptions, partnerships do not pay tax on their income. And as I mentioned, income, deductions, credits, and losses pass through to the owners but then the question is, can the owners use all of those losses that are passed through to them? There are three basic limitations that we always point to. One is limited to your basis in the partnership, which equals the amounts that you contributed to the partnership, plus whatever debts are allocated to you under the debt allocation rules in the partnership provisions of the tax code. There's also an, a risk known as at-risk. Are you really personally liable for this debt that the partnership incurred? And then there are some exceptions to that. If you're not able to satisfy these two limitations, you can't claim the loss, and the loss is suspended and carried forward. In 1986, the Tax Reform Act of 1986 introduced the passive loss rules under Code Section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code. And that further limits your ability to claim losses currently and offset them against other income, like your compensation income that you generate. These passive loss rules are very complex and really would involve an entire separate presentation um, that might be twice as long as this presentation is today. Now let's talk about liability and partnerships. Again, in a general partnership and in a limited partnership, the general partner is personally liable for the debts of the partnership. So in many cases, in virtually all cases that I can think of, you want to have a limited liability entity serving as the general partner or general partners of a general partnership 
or limited partnership. In that event, you might use a corporation or a limited liability company, or in some cases, you might use what we refer to as an irrevocable trust that could serve as the general partner and limit the liability of the entity uh, to basically the corporate general partner or LLC and not expose your personal assets. Let me give you an example. Your partner, Bill, goes out, signs up with the local bank, takes out a high interest rate loan in the name of the partnership, proves that he's a general partner, and the bank lends him the money without your knowledge or your consent. If the partnership is a general partnership, you're fully liable for the loan. Again, can't emphasize enough, partnerships, sole proprietorships, any business should get commercial insurance, business insurance, errors and omissions insurance, general liability insurance, workers' compensation insurance if you've got employees, umbrella insurance if it's available, and other types of insurance, including cybersecurity risk insurance, which is really important today. And then, of course, you want to enter into a very clearly written partnership agreement. But if I'm in your shoes, I would use an LLLP, a limited liability company, or a corporation if I were operating the business. Partnership agreements are really important to flesh out the liability, governance, and other aspects of running the business. It allows you to allocate profits and losses and cash flow. It allows you to restrict the transfer of the interests. And it deals with such situations as retirement or death or disability or the withdrawal of a partnership. Without an agreement, you're subject to the statute in the state in which you operate. For general partnerships, those statutes are commonly known as the Uniform Partnership Act or the Revised Partnership Act. For, for limited partnerships, it's known as the ULPA or the Uniform Limited Partnership Act or Revised Uniform Limited Partnership Act. In California, for example, these statutes would restrict you from adding a new member or new partner to the partnership without unanimous consent of all of the partners. You may not want to restrict the entity that much. What is it that a partnership cannot do? Well, a partnership cannot avoid personal liability for business debts, even though it says that you are limited to the liability that you might have in the partnership if it's a general partnership. And general partners can't limit their liability, but they can certainly seek contribution from other general partners or other partners that they're working with. A partnership agreement also is not allowed to restrict a partner's rights to inspect the books and records of the business. And you cannot limit the rights of third parties in relationship to the partnership. For, for example, if in the example I used before where Bill wanted to enter into this borrowing arrangement with a third party on behalf of the partnership, the third party has apparent, knows that Bill has authority, apparent authority to act on behalf of the partnership. So the partnership agreement can't restrict that third party's right to enter into that agreement with Bill because the third party doesn't know about it. So unless the third party is actually bound to this agreement, they're not bound by your partnership agreement that limits your liability to the partnership and therefore the creditors of the partnership. 
You also, in a, in a fiduciary situation, you cannot l eliminate or weaken the fiduciary duties that are owed by each partner to the other. The duties of loyalty, the duties of care, the duties of prudence, the duties to administrate the, administer the partner properly, partnership properly. If you've got questions on how to set up a partnership of whatever type, let us know. Give us a call at our phone number at 571-203-ZELL or look, at us, look us up on the web and send us an email at zelllaw.com. I'm Wayne Zell. You've been watching Blueprint for Wealth, the video cast that hopefully is helping you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. Stay tuned for our special guest. Welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth, and I am pleased to have join me today Kylie Burke, who is a variety of things. We're going to talk about her roles with teaching strategies and then Noni Solutions. But Kylie, welcome to the program, Blueprint for Wealth. Thank you so much for having me, Wayne. So Kylie, your, your background is in early childhood education. Can you give us a little bit of background as to how you got into that and then how you transitioned to become the entrepreneuress that you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so from a, a very early age, I knew I wanted to work with young children. Um, actually, my mother passed away when I was young and the people oh. who I really credit with helping me build resilience and believe in myself were my early childhood educators. Uh, so I went to school to study human development, ended up as a preschool teacher and a counselor helping families uh, who had young children and kind of just uh, eventually found myself at a small company at the time that was creating resources to support preschool teachers. And I joined that business that was teaching strategies as employee number 13 to write curriculum materials uh, for teachers to use in the classroom. Well, awesome. And Teaching Strategies is known as a leading provider of early childhood solutions for programs, right? Yeah, and, it um, is. But it's only, it's only dealing with, you know, from very early childhood birth, essentially to third grade. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. And so when I joined the company as employee 13, um, early childhood was just starting to get national attention. You know, it had just made the cover of Time magazine that brain development in the first five years was so important. So during my 15-year tenure at the, the company, uh, we just saw really explosive growth as school systems started to build out a public pre-K program uh, and Head Start and Early Head Start got more dollars. We started to get an understanding of the importance of those early years as really the foundation for children's future success in school and life. And so the company just saw explosive growth. When I uh, left the the CEO seat and transitioned to the board, we were at about 300 employees. So wow. it tells you a bit about Today, how big, how big is teaching strategies? Um, so now the company with all of the contractors that support professional development and such, I imagine we're probably around 400 or so now. Yeah. Wow. And, and there's a, there's another exit that you're, 
that you have uh, recently <laughs> been able to participate in. It's, yes. uh, it's helped you grow your personal wealth and, and freedom. Um, yeah. But the, the going from 13 to 300, what was that journey like? Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> I mean, I, really? I love um, being able to do uh, fun business development work and see a business grow when the business that you're in is doing good things. Um, and so being able to create solutions uh, and products that support our youngest, most vulnerable children and their, their teachers, their caregivers, their parents, that was so motivating and inspirational to get to continue to work with those folks while building out a company. I mean, it's, that's, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. Uh, the business went through three private equity transactions while I was um, while I was still there, and then this one that we're headed toward now as as a board member. And those are always fun. Now, in a company like Teaching Strategies, the people who have equity in the business are people like me, like people who never thought <laughs> that that I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that existed in the world. Um, and so when you can change really the life of somebody who used to be a preschool teacher or a, a principal, um, you know, somebody who got into this to help little kids, and then you can help them generate some wealth that then supports their family and their community. That is so fun, Wayne. Like that to me was the best part of the job. <laughs> you know, I, I have been working with entrepreneurs for 40 years. I have never heard an entrepreneur describe the growth and exit of a company from a startup to where you, you know, succeeded in three, four private equity transactions <laughs> as fun. I've never heard that before, but this is great. And that shows what an amazing person you are, that you can translate something like this into fun. You've started up a new entity called Noni. Is it Noni? Is that the correct yes. uh, pronunciation, yeah. educational solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about that new venture? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so clearly you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this field. Uh, and, yeah. and when the pandemic hit, I quickly saw the impact that it was having on children and families when children um, weren't able to go to their school and care settings anymore, the amount of stress that families were facing, you know, from food, housing, job insecurity, to just the stress of quarantining together, the canceled routines, canceled plans. Families and young children were experiencing trauma at a really alarming rate. Um, and so uh, my partner and I decided to stand up Noni in order to help teachers manage um, and support children who've experienced trauma when children return to school. So when children return to classrooms this fall, and Maybe. we'll see how that goes. I think there's gonna there's gonna be another mixed bag year. Um, but young children who've experienced adversity like that and stress and trauma, they are the children who present behaviors that really challenge their teachers and impact their ability to learn. And so what we wanna do at Noni is help teachers to support children to regulate so that they can get out of that stress response mode, which causes things like 
aggression and defiance and hyperactivity and all those things that interfere with learning in the classroom help them regulate so that then they can learn. Um, and we've designed a, an incredible set of tools in partnership with a great trauma research organization called the Lori Center to be able to support teachers this fall. Fantastic. And how have you found the resources to help you educate the teachers to do what they need to be able to do to, to curtail any you know, behavioral issues in the classroom? How have, you, yeah. how have you assembled those resources? Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, I feel like this work is, for me, um, from an academic standpoint, really a culmination of everything I've been researching and writing and working towards, you know, even as the CEO of Teaching Strategies, I was still the, the primary author and product leader. So my academic base is in child development. Um, and I have been always very passionate about the relationship between the uh, teacher and child and know a lot about child guidance and behavior issues. So um, so I'm actually the, the lead author and developer on these tools. We assembled a team of uh, a couple of other folks who are also former educators to help with the creation. And then we've worked in partnership with the doctors and child psychologists at the Lori Center to check you know, the, the work as we've developed it. So I really feel like um, for me, this content creation is like my professional opus. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's uh, amazing. It, I've, I've yeah. read some of the stuff you've written. Um, yeah. If you go to uh, Teaching Strategies, they have a blog that you wrote all the yeah. way up through April of last year. Yes. I'm sure yeah. you're continuing to write prolifically. Yeah. Where can we find your, uh, your content? Where can we see it? Where can we find it? <laughs> yeah, you can find it on the Teaching Strategies website. I'm still... Um, still the, the author of the solutions um, that Teaching Strategies brings to classrooms. And then also you can find more of it at NoniEducationalSolutions.com. So. What can we hope to see from Noni in the future as a, as a serial entrepreneur that you've become? <laughs> Actually, we um, are in the process of partnering with a larger organization that also supports struggling learners. Uh, to be able to get this into classrooms faster. So as much as I love building companies, um, it was not um, just not possible to build out a, a company and sales force in the next month in order to get this into classrooms. So we are, um, we'll be uh, announcing a partnership actually quite soon to be able to get these materials into the hands of teachers for fall. We have uh, a lot of large school districts who are lined up to implement. And uh, I think that we'll be able to really support teachers and children through what is going to be a tumultuous return to face-to-face. -face. I can't even imagine all my kids are grown up. You have young kids yourself. Um, I'm just trying to figure out you know, how teachers and parents are going to cope with this massive transformation from that we were sort of forced into over the last year yeah. into going back into norm, yep. uh, normal, normal practice, normal behavior in the classroom. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see some of the content that you're going to generate for the teachers. Yeah. I'm myself, I'm a teacher. I'm teaching at the college level. Um, but, uh, we still are online and we're going yeah. to be online through the fall of 2021 that's a choice, you know, by the university that I work with. But yeah. uh, 
I think it's it's a challenge for everybody. How do you get people reoriented back into this this whole new paradigm of which is the old paradigm? And how do we how do we marry this stuff together? The yeah. online teaching as well as do you see that online teaching will still be a significant uh, component of what we do and how we teach our kids? I think that the the platforms that have kind of sprung up will be here to stay, and I think they're going to get better. Um, this past uh, the past few days, I've been at the ASU GSV conference, which features a lot Arizona of the State. yeah the the mm-hmm. technology innovations in education, and so seeing what folks are working on, seeing what the big guys are working on, the new tools that Zoom is coming out with to support teachers and and online learning. A lot of that stuff is really interesting and has kind of um, sped up innovation in that space. So I do think that we'll continue to see that. For me, I think the best gain there has been actually in teacher education. Um, So in, in the adult ed space, in the past, teacher education has relied heavily on professional days, time off, where teachers gathered together in a room and and receive their professional development. Now they're very comfortable with this kind of format, you know, that an asynchronous learning. Um, And I think that will really democratize in a lot of ways, access to the best professional development for educators. And that to me is a big win. Um, Hmm. But I I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's gonna be a a very difficult transition for folks. There's gonna be a lot of stress. Something that we've also created with Noni is actually uh, around teacher self-care and how to help teachers create a sustainable self-care practice so that they can stay regulated <laughs> during this stressful time. I mean, you um, think about teachers, you think about the healthcare workers that are under all of the stress to make things normal for everybody and yeah. to take care of all these people. And yeah. um, I just, you know, I have to first take my hat off to, to you to do this for the teachers and I take my hat off to the teachers. I, you know, applaud the efforts that they have tried to, uh, you know, generate to to save the students. I, I know that it's a it's a struggle, and you need to get into the classroom. But you know, it's it's been a difficult time. Hopefully, we'll emerge from this stronger, more intelligent, more educated uh, than we were before. If you had to to give guidance to a young person that was starting a business. Um, as an entrepreneur, what would be the, you know, the, the top one or two things that you would recommend to them in order to be successful as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I mean, that's such a good question, especially coming from this conference for the last few days where it was full of entrepreneurs, particularly in the technology space. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's funny to think that I feel kind of like old and seasoned now, <laughs> having done this for a while. Um, I almost felt like I could watch these panels and I could tell you who was going to be successful and who wasn't going to be successful. Um, and so I think there's a level of humility that you need to bring to entrepreneurship, particularly when you're developing um, products to sell to other people or, or you're designing a solution to help meet a need in in their lives or make their lives easier, you need to be humble about that and know that they're the expert. Um, it's, it's, it's really important to maintain that humility. Even if you get a little taste of success, 
it can be really easy to say, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly the right answer. I'm going to plow forward with my right answer. Um, but I think bringing that humility allows you to stay connected to the customer, to the end user, which will allow for your success. And, you know, everybody always says, do what you love. And um, obviously, I, I think I'm a, a good example of, of pouring my heart and soul into something that I believe deeply in, in and very passionate about. And um, that's worked for me so far. So. It's evident. It's evident. <laughs> be humble and be and do and what be you passionate. love. Yes. Awesome. Well, we've been talking with Kylie Burke, who, you know, grew teaching strategies to a very successful, big, very big company. And now is starting out with Noni Solutions. If, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Can they find you on Noni Solutions website? What would be that URL? Yeah, they can find me at NoniEducationalSolutions.com and, you know, always on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a special guest, a very special guest on Thank Blueprint you, for Wealth. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening to Blueprint for Wealth. Join us next time for a special topic and a very special guest. Have a great week.